Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hey everyone, welcome to Kill Me Now with Judy Gold. I am your host, Judy Gold, and this week we have the one and only Wilson Cruz, who I met many decades ago when he was uh, playing Ricky Vasquez on My So-Called Life. We became friends, and now he plays Dr. Hugh Culber on uh, Star Trek Discovery. Uh, He was in 13 Reasons Why. He's just, he's so amazing on many levels, and uh, I love him. So that's part one. Now, I just want to say I got a lot of feedback last week about everyone loving my podcast with Elisa, and so I asked her to do the opening with me because, oh, Elisa... Uh, because she wanted to say, she, she forgot to say something on the podcast. Do you want to tell everyone, Elisa, what you forgot sure. to say? But did I forget to say it or I just really couldn't get a word in edgewise because you mostly did all the talking. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> okay, but, you know, you... Oh, that's so nice. It's an important there fact. There is an important fact about us meeting each other. Right. That we... That I... Apparently, I monopolized the entire conversation. I mean, it's called Kill Me Now with Judy Gold. <laughs> and Judy Gold talk too much. All okay, right. So, so anyway... Ahead. Before you and I, there was me and someone else. And me and that someone else went to go see your show, 25 Questions for a Jewish Mother, at Ars Nova Theater before you moved to St. Luke's. So that theater, what, held 50 people? I don't oh, know. I don't Very know. Small. Best theater ever. Best and theater company. I love those people. James I Steingart. and this other person Chase that we're not going to mention. Yeah. Oh, wait. Okay, go ahead. Okay. I sat in the front row, right underneath Judy Gold, um, who was standing on that side of the stage with a tall microphone. And that's that's what I did. I looked up to her right there in the first row, and I was amazed at that show. Thank but you. But never, oh, never, never did I think that we would become what we've become. Right. Two miserable old Jews. Oh, right. Exactly. Um, and so you saw me and you said, oh, I want to bring my parents and my sisters to the show. Yes, that's And true. then you never did. Is that correct? No, I did oh, when you moved to St. Luke's. Okay. I did. Of course I did. Okay. All right. Okay, I, think, have- I think your car's going off. <laughs> the alarm. <laughs> That I was all night long, all but night, you didn't all hear it. You night. didn't hear it. I, I know, know. I was why. a little out. Um, all right. Thank you, Elisa. Okay, so that's enjoy Elisa. The show. Uh, thank you. Oh, thanks. Uh, so that's Elisa clarifying that. If you want more podcasts with me and Elisa, let us know. We're happy to provide. So that's it. I've been in rehearsals all week. I'm working eight hours a day in rehearsals, and I'm so excited. Get your tickets. Fifty nine fifty nine. Yes, I can say that. It is directed by the one and only B.D. Wong. It's going to be great. So uh, tickets are at my website, judygold.com. Tickets are everywhere. I'm on social media. Also want to say a shout out that, you know, Richard Belzer was such a great guy and he will be missed. He was so funny and so nice and just a wonderful person. So rest in peace, Belzer. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Uh, a lot of shit happened this week in the news and the, the you know, the Michigan State 
I mean, I can't, I really can't take it. So I'm going to get too angry. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to go there, but fuck your fucking guns and shove them up your fucking ass. Anyway, uh, so that's it. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy part one of my conversation with the one and only Wilson Cruz. Ladies, gentlemen, they, thems. I don't know how to, I don't know how to introduce this person in, you know, okay. Our guest today and next week. I just told him we've known each other for 28 years and he almost freaked out because you I'm telling you, you people don't understand you age, but you still think you're young and that you like you're like, oh, I'm like 27. And then you go in the bathroom and you look at yourself and you're like, oh, my God, fuck. So we're at that stage, even though he's way younger than me. But I fell in love with I literally fell in love with him when I met him 28 ish years ago. I'm just going to say a few of his credits. He's currently Dr. Hugh Colber on uh, Star Trek Discovery, which I auditioned for and didn't get the part. You might have seen him in 13 Reasons Why. You might have seen him when he was touring the world. I'm saying world. Doing Rent. I mean, there's so much. There's so much. But I met him. When he was 19 and was on the show that I was obsessed with, which we, I think a a lot of people, you know, I'm 11 years older than him, but we were all obsessed with this show. And if you have not seen this show, go to Hulu and watch this fucking show. It's, I think it's, it, it lasted for one season. It felt like, it was my life and it's called my so-called life. That was the worst decision of any network to end that show. Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) hero, actor, activist, hot as fucking hell. I mean like his body, because I remember him at 19 when it was like, you know, he was like, um, Role model. I don't even know what to say. Wilson Cruz is here, everybody. Woo! Judy. He, what? Judy. The problem. The problem is going to be that during this 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 time we have together, that you are literally the funniest person I know. Aww. So it's going to be really irritating to people that I'm going to spend this time with you, just laughing the entire time, because that's how we met. You tickle me in ways that nobody else in the universe does. Like you go straight to where I live every single time. So I'm going to control myself. No, it's fine because irritating guests that just, I think we only have one listener anyway, and we don't give a shit. Okay. Well, how is Charles? Yeah. Charles is good. He's in charge. (laughs) Charles is in charge. Oh God. I'm funny. Um, Wilson. I, I want to start at the beginning, but I have, I mean, we have so much to talk about. I'm sorry I had a coughing fit, by the way. Oh, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Excuse me. I have, have you had allergies? Like, can I tell you something? Like, it's fucking January, and I get up, and I come to my office, and I just start sneezing. I just, I've always been a sneezer. Like, I start right. my day sneezing. I sneeze right. like four or five times just the moment I wake up. It's what right. I do. So the I can't tell The moment I wake up. Wake up. Before I put on my makeup, I sneeze and phlegm and sneeze and phlegm. Okay. (laughs) See, he thinks I'm funny. Um, Wilson Cruz, that is not your original name, but we'll get to that. It is Echevarria. Yes. Echevarria. 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 There it is. Echevarria. Echevarria. You were born in Brooklyn. Junior. You were born in Brooklyn. Yep. Greenpoint. And Jew. Greenpoint. You were born yeah. in Greenpoint. I, I, wow. I literally at the moment live like walking distance to my to Greenpoint right now. I moved back. Do to you New ever York, so walk I'm, by the the where you were where yeah. you lived when you you know what's funny is my parents came here uh, for from Thanksgiving. Puerto Rico. Oh, they, they live in Orlando uh, now, but they came up for Thanksgiving to spend Thanksgiving with my brother and I who lives a 10 minute walk away. Um, and uh, they wanted to go to the old neighborhood. So, of course, they picked, like, the coldest day of right. the two they were here. 
<laughs> and we walked down and they just, they didn't recognize anything. Uh, wow. you know, they, they well, like, of course. Oh, this used yeah. to be a bodega and now it's a yoga studio. And like, this is where your uncle lived. And I mean, like they took me through like a whole tour of the old neighborhood. So it was fun for them, but I was freezing. Um, but uh, they didn't recognize a thing, but it was a That's very crazy. Puerto Rican, Polish neighborhood. And, you know, it seemed like from, from what they were talking when they were telling me this, you know, taking me through this tour, it was like this little community of people, of Puerto Ricans who were just kind of like helping each other survive. Like my, my, I can tell, I can talk about this now because my grandmother's gone, but apparently my grandmother like used to run the numbers in the neighborhood. No way. Who's father, who's yes. mother? Your father's my mother's your mother. mother, my wow. mother's mother. And like, it was like this thing where everybody played these numbers, but like there was like a, uh, um, a bucket of money. Right. And every family would get it during like one month, uh, every month. Right. And so they would get to pay all of their bills that month. And then everybody right. would like, hold everyone off until they got their bucket of money. It was just this weird thing. It's like she, a Ponzi scheme. Basically. Yes. Yeah. Basically. But it was a oh, way I love for people her. to like. To survive. Help. Yeah. To survive. It was crazy. So your parents uh, came from Puerto Rico. They did. My Both of my parents were born in Puerto Rico um, in Bayamón. My mother's born in Bayamón and my father was born in Isabela. Isabella, my friends, my friends just got a house in Puerto Rico. She one one is from Puerto Rico and the other one is Cuban. They're married couple. There's and, a lot of arguments in that house. Oh please, they are, and they're such hypochondriacs. I can't even tell you. Uh, oh, really? No, no, but they, they are, a, and they have a daughter, and they're so they're so like the Jews with the overprotective. I'm like, oh my god. Oh yeah. Millie, let her breathe. Let her breathe, Milagros. Okay, but um, they're they're like family. But um, so they came over from Puerto Rico. They came to Brooklyn, and then how old were you when you moved to Rialto, California? Oh, um, well, that was later. So we moved to we moved to Rialto in '84, but I think we moved to. So you were eleven. Yeah, we moved, but we we had moved to California like the, I think the year before, uh, okay. because we lived in Riverside before that, and um, with my aunt because we moved out to California to because we we lived in Michigan first. My youngest brother was born in Michigan. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, How, I, I have been looking all over for this shit, and all everyone cares about is when you came out to your parents, and they don't care about yeah. anything before then. And I am fascinated by four. So you w- <coughs> lived in Brooklyn. Then you yes. have a, a brother who's three years younger than you and a brother who's seven no, years I, younger I, than four, you? Or four, no? we're, all, four. we're all four years apart. Okay, um, fuck so my, the fucking internet. Okay. So my so my brother, my, my brother Gilbert. Gilbert and, and Josh. Gil, yeah, my brother Gilbert and I were born in New York, and my brother Josh was born in Holland, Michigan, because... We moved there to be cl- to because my aunt. I had another aunt who lived in Michigan with her family, and there was work there at the Herman Miller plant. So we wow. lived there so that because there was work there for my dad. My mom worked at a bank. There are banks everywhere. Um, and then the first freaking snowstorm hit, and we were my parents were like, "Oh hell no, we're out of here!" Right. Um, but then she got pregnant with my brother, <clears throat> and so we had to stay another year. And so, so here are these born, people, yeah, who know nothing about cold weather. Nothing. No, not, I mean, New York cold weather, but right. Michigan cold weather is forget a whole, it. It's a it's whole a, other yeah, fucking whole but, thing. But now Michigan is like what you New York was 40 years ago. And, yeah, well, you know, and now New York is right. like fucking Seattle. Um, so, that, so, so, yeah. So he was born and like three months old. They like bundled him up. They packed the U-Haul and we drove across the country from Michigan to, to Riverside. And we lived there for like a year or two before we moved to Rialto, which is where we bought this house. So you moved out of New York when you were about nine or 10, but it's, I, I read that you, your parents were very supportive of you doing theater. Oh yeah. Uh, and you started acting at the age of seven. So was that in New York? Doing shit. Yes. Like I was, you know, like school stuff, like all of my stuff was like school stuff. But I, I mean, they will tell you that it was pretty clear that I knew what I wanted to do and that there was something there. And they, they, you know, um, they, 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 they didn't stop me. I mean, right. 
I think there was a fear that, you know, oh, is this a real thing? But I think they were going to let me take it as far as I I wanted. And my mom was, you know, throughout my my teens and, um, you know, early teens or whatever you call it, preteens, was really supportive. And she like she actually was the person who found this commercial acting class that I ended up taking in California and. And she would sit in the in the parking lot in Beverly Hills for like three hours while on her on her Saturday off uh, after driving me there. It was like an hour to to Beverly Hills from where we lived. And then she'd sit in the car for three hours and then we'd drive back another hour. And that was her whole day. She maxed out. Well, I have to say that I I do I did that for Ben's basketball. And I love that you appreciate that because one day Oh yeah. Ben, sorry. Yes, Ben. Um, yeah, he. I think he does, <laughs> but sometimes, yeah, whatever. Hey, everyone. You know, one of my favorite things in life, if not my most favorite thing in life, which, yeah, it's arguably my most favorite thing in life besides my kids, and is food and eating. Eating is my favorite activity, and eating is better and easier with Factor. Factor, I'm telling you, I tried their stuff. It is delicious. It is great. It is high quality. And they are, when I say ready to eat meals, they're ready to eat in two minutes. They're not frozen. They're never frozen. They're chef crafted, dietitian approved, and literally you heat them for two minutes. Every week, you have over 35 options to choose from. They have Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, Keto. I just did Chef's Choice. 60 or more add ons that you can stay fueled up. They had these juice shots that were incredible. These are restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat when you are ready to eat. That's it. And they're really good. Elisa loved them too. There's no prep, there's no mess. I've tried a lot of these different kinds of meals. Factor is amazing and so convenient. It's so great to get home from a long day of like schlepping around and knowing you have this delicious meal waiting for you in the refrigerator that takes two minutes to heat up. And you can pause, you can reschedule your deliveries at any time. It is a great solution for those nights and days that you're looking for fast, great, delicious options with no cooking required, okay? And Factor is less expensive than takeout. So what are you going to do? Because I'm telling you, you have to believe me. I never lie. Factor is amazing. You're going to head to Factormeals, F-A-C-T-O-R-M-E-A-L-S dot com slash Judy Gold 50, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, five zero, okay? Judy Gold 50. And use code J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D-5-0, JudyGold50, to get 50% off. That's code JudyGold50 at Factormeals.com slash JudyGold50 and get 50% off. It's worth it. You're welcome. So you moved several times, you know, before you ended up in reality. So- what was that like? That's not easy. Um, no, it wasn't easy. And it did teach me how, you know, it, teach, it taught me some survival skills, right? And some social skills. Yeah. I had to learn how to adapt pretty quickly to these new neighborhoods, these new environments. In Michigan, it was a very, um, it was highly Caucasian. <laughs> um, oh, and, forget uh, it. And then when we moved to Riverside, it was like, oh, okay, here are my people, but they weren't my people. They were Mexican and African-American. Right. And so that's not Puerto Rican. And so they didn't really know. And <clears throat> they didn't know me, but right. I got them. And, and then you're driving to- adaptable. Yeah. And then you're driving to Beverly Hills with the Entitleds. Yeah. You know? Totally. Totally. Um, so you got to see so many different kinds of people at such a young age. Do you feel like your youngest brother, Josh, who I know you're very close to, because he was spared that moving is a is is a little different in that area than you are because he didn't have to go through all that shit. Well, he ended up moving, having to move 
to Florida in his early, well, his mid-teens. Um, but that's a story for another day. But, right. you know, he's also someone who learned, who who knew how to like take a, a, a look at the room and knew how to read adapt it. to it. Yeah, right. he, we, we, we could read rooms. And I think it also helps me in my work, right? Like oh, I'm, very, I'm very attuned to my, to my scene partners and um, I, I react like my, you know, I, I, I come from the school of listening, right? Like if, if you're not listening in the scene, then you're not in the scene. Uh, if you're only worried about your next line, then you're not in, you're not in the scene. So I, I, I love that tennis game. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact that I learned how to be adaptable to new people and new spaces very quickly, you know, early on as a kid. And also knowing that you're gay, like I knew I was gay when I was like three. I didn't know what it was. I've I said this too. multiple times on the show. Like I, I was like, I'm different than everyone. Uh, and I don't know how. I don't know I how. Know I know that there's something not the same. And then when you hit puberty, you're like, oh, OK. Right. And so I think reading a room is a defense mechanism for for people who know that, that their sexuality or their gender is wrong or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, not that their sexuality is wrong, but that they're different and that, you know, you're observing how people behave so that you don't slip up. Yes. You know? Yes. And it, it is and that like- became really complicated. I know this goes off subject a bit, but I was just having this conversation with someone. It actually became helpful because, you know, when I came up, and, and realized I was gay in my teens, it was literally the the beginning of the pandemic, of the AIDS pandemic. <clears throat> and so AIDS was gay and gay was AIDS. And so not only was I trying to read a room, but I was trying to stay safe in that room. Right, because right. I didn't, it, you know, I, I didn't want anybody to know because then they would think I would have AIDS. You know what I mean? And so that whole thing. And then as you get older, then there's a whole generation of gay men. And this is my theory. You know, take it for what it is. But there's so many of us who became addicted to the gym and, you know, creating these these bodies that without speaking would communicate a level of health. Or right. Safety around us. Right. Oh, you know, we're safe because we're not sick. You know what I mean? It, it's it's fucked up. It's totally fucked up. Well, it's, it's so it, it's interesting spot. that you say that because the AIDS crisis, I can't even like I can't even look at video I, like it's so hard for me to even go back to that. I mean, I think I have some PTSD. No, I think we all do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think it this it's at this age when we're looking back at it going Oh, that's oh what that is. And also, you know, I've said this before. I'm stuck. I'm sick it's of saying trauma. I've said it before. I'm not fucking saying I've said it before. <laughs> Fuck you if I repeat it too fucking bad. Um, right. But the thing is, is that at that time and at the time you were coming out. Um, or just learning myself as a sexual person. Right. And you that is when. People couldn't hide being gay anymore because they would walk down the street, you know, 50 pounds with sores yes. on them. And yes. you knew you couldn't hide anymore. And then, you know, everything was out in the open and the family shunned the partners. I mean, this is all the impetus yes. for equality um, yes for activism for for right. visibility right? right at that point it became like oh well fuck it if everybody knows it anyway then let's just be really out and i think that's what the 90s was right the 90s was a direct reaction to the closet right well to it was the shame, yeah to, like, because it was also it, we're like, throw this off right and it was like wait a minute i live with this guy for 40 years and you're kicking me out of our apartment, you know, I have no place to live. I get nothing. I can't even go to the funeral. I mean, this is what happened. It was yeah. inhumane and undignified. And, you know, I do have one thing to say about that, which you're the first gay man I'm saying. I think I've said it to a couple of gay men, but I've never said it on the air. But I feel so safe with you. I. I have been a really upset lately because and I love your take on this. I became an activist during 
you know, that period of time. And, you know, I worked at God's Lovely Deliver. I worked at the AIDS Walk. I went and did stand up when they would do the rides across, you know, America, those bike rides. I would go to the, the campsites and, you know, entertain, whatever. I did whatever I could. And I, of course, had so many friends that had HIV, that died from HIV, that still have HIV, they're still HIV positive. Mm-hmm. And we all, I think the lesbians really stepped were just up. like stepped up. Yeah. And and some straight women, like Lady Di and, you know, the yeah. fearless. And I have noticed since they repealed Roe v. Wade, I have not heard one, not a thing from gay men stepping up for, you know, talking about how, you know, if there's a homophobic thing, the very well-known gay men will be like, this person's a fucking asshole. But I really don't. Well, that's, I don't. that's, I mean, I, I will say this, that I actually have had the opposite experience, which I've been really, really, I'm so happy. Yeah. I've been really moved by a lot of people in my personal circle, right. Uh, who have really taken this on and said, and, and in a direct response really to the women in their lives and how they're, and how they reacted to it. So I actually was expecting silence like you did, because I, I don't know, for whatever reason, and have been really moved by people in 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 my circle. Anyway. Well, but your circle. I hate that that's your experience. right. Your circle is different than most. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Maybe. And I'm a parent, so I see it in my circle. There's a lot of straight men who are st- sticking up for women's rights, yeah. but I really don't but see the. Out- I will say. I, yeah. I will say that there's also been a conversation, an education around um, the fact that. This is an LGBTQ issue, yeah, right? You know that this that the um, abortion care and access to abortion is important to our community specifically, right? Like, right. You know it. it you know we. It's we, healthcare. We our, yeah, we see our trans brothers and sisters dealing with this issue. We see our 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 lesbian and bisexual siblings. Um, dealing with this issue. So I do think that there's an education going on around it. Do I think that it's, you know, we should have been having it sooner and right. And, and, and not waited until a problem. Yeah. Right. So an issue showed up, but, um, you know, I think, yes, if that's your experience and I think we obviously need to do a better job. Yeah. It really bothers me. Um, especially, you know, famous, very uh, prominent gay men who use women's bodies to have their babies. Hey, now say it. Yes. And don't don't really, you know, speak up as much as they mm-hmm. could because they have a lot of influence about how abhorrent these this this situation is. So in high school, I'm really, you know, because yeah, I met you sorry. when you were 19. No, I love I love tangents. Um, when I I met you when you were 19, but you had. What was all right, you went to Eisenhower High School, you graduated yeah. in 91. What was high school like for you? You know, what's interesting is I've been thinking about it a lot. I'm thinking about it a lot. Um, high school was. You know, I. It's so funny. I feel like I just couldn't get, I couldn't wait to get out. Like the whole time I was just like, I Same. have to get Same. out of here and right. I just want to start my life. Um, but there was a group of, there were a group of us in high school who, um, who came out to each other. It was like this United Nations of, of gay boys. There was Jaime Lopez, who was half Puerto Rican, half Japanese. Um, Sean was Korean. Uh, John is a Palestinian, Brian Sharber was African-American and there was me, the Puerto Rican. And I somehow was the last of us to come out because, you know, I don't know why. Um, and I came out as bi, which was, Oh, know, please. I Everyone know. came out as bi then. Right. You know, I call which it is, a which gateway. Was, I call which it was a gateway. Also, which was also, <laughs> I mean, they exist, but I definitely yes. wasn't one of them. Right. Um, and even Ricky Vasquez, you know, Yes. Claimed claimed it. But anyway, yeah. we did have each other. Um, and I think that was the only way I got through school was knowing that these other four people were on campus with me. And we, I mean, we we created a a G a 
you know, a gay club before there were any gay clubs. It was an unofficial um, gathering, if you will. Um, but I was also part of all of the fine arts in school, right? So I played sax in the in the marching band. Oh, I played clarinet. Oh, I love the clarinet. Um, oh, I do. I, love, like I, I play it like well, I invented but... it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I was in the show choir. I was like the lead guy in the show choir. And I was also part of the theater department. So, right. you know, I knew what I was going to do. And I was using up that school and its department and its programs as much as I possibly could in order to gain whatever experience I could. And, you know, our show choir was pretty damn great. Like, I we bet. Just, we went to like state, you know, finals. Oh, and all cool. It was a, a, a real um, a, a space for me to, to like spread my wings a bit and learn. And be creative stage, and be around people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me, it was really about that. I, you know, I was in AP classes and college prep classes. And so I was all about using up that experience, but I just had one eye on the door the whole time. Yeah, same. Because um, I knew that there was some, there was a bigger world out there for me. As soon as we... I graduated, you know, I went to Cal State San Bernardino for like a hot minute, but I was already auditioning. I had an agent at 16 um, through that class that my mother took I me to. I love Iris. Um, she's yeah. amazing. You met her. That's right. So I had been auditioning and everything. And I did like my first thing. My first job was um, Unsolved Mysteries. Oh my a, God. What did you play? Totally. I played, it was an episode here. You, all you need to know is the name of the episode. It was Producer molester. Oh, nice. Like in fame. It was some guy, some producer who was like grooming boys. Right. And he would take advantage of them. And so I um, played one of two boys who, you know, were were trying to, you know, this guy was trying to uh, kidnap, basically, and put in his limousine. And so we had to like reenact the scene. Who was that it was, based on? I have no idea to God this day. God damn it. I want to know. We should, I should go back and find yeah. out. But, but because of that, um, I was able to audition for better stuff. And so right. my first real job was um, Great Scott with Tobey Maguire. Wow. <clears throat> and Sally Steiner was the casting director. And I know, and she got, you know, she's no longer with us. Yeah. God bless her. But um, she took a risk because there were like, they were looking for three choir boys um, and it said, this was back in the day where they could say this thing, but they were looking for three white boys. And I kind of like insisted to my agent at the time, oh my. uh, that she submit me. And, you know, I, I, I just berated her and I just, she, they were like, we can't send you because blah, blah, blah. And I was like, fine. So like, I sent my own uh, headshot and resume to her office, the whole wow. thing. And she called my agents and called me and she was like, this guy's, this kid is ballsy. Um, and so I went in and they were like, can you sing? And I did, I sang somewhere over the rainbow because that's the kind of faggot <laughs> yeah. that I am. And, um, and I think why do fools fall in love, which I ended up singing why again for fools? my, my yeah. rent audition. Anyway, she was like, you know what? Come back at three o'clock. And I went to producers and I got the job. And I, I was supposed to be one episode and we sang everything. We were like a Greek chorus. So we like sang all of our lines, but I got my SAG card. They taft heartlead me, which never happens. And that, that was the reason so nice. why, that was the reason yeah. why the very next pilot season, I could audition for my so-called life because they, they only were going to look at you know, sat, you know, union right. members at the time for that. So anyways, it was a whirlwind. Two years. You got to talk about your audition for my so-called oh. life. You walked in. I read that you walked in. <laughs> By the way, I want you to know, this is how much I love you. I mean, I always do a lot of research, but I literally just watched the pilot episode of my so-called life. You did? Oh my yeah, gosh. Cause I, I just had to be, I'd had to go back there in my head, but your story about how you walked in to this audition and you saw these guys with like who cargo pants no on who they yeah. were and, and polo your, shirts. Right. And you're auditioning for Ricky. Vasquez. Vasquez. And like the description and, of the character was like, you know, he was, 
he what did they say he was uh, androgynous I remember this so clearly. Oh my God. Yes. Androgynous like Jodie Foster in Alice doesn't live here anymore. And I was, and I was like, okay, so what's the male version of that? So I like got, I I got my red Levi's jeans. They were red, my black Doc Martin boots and this, this um, vertical rainbow shirt had like black, red, yellow, orange. It was the days of cross colors. Right. Um, And, uh, and I kind of like, sprayed my hair as high as it possibly could. Um, and I put some black eyeliner on and I walked into, into, um, Mary Goldberg, I was going to say Roseburg, Mary Goldberg's, um, office and in, in the waiting room. And there are all these guys who I'm realizing are there for the same role. And they're in khakis and like polo shirts or like a t-shirt. I'm like, Oh, these people have zero clue who this person is. Right. And so I thought in that moment, I was like, oh, I might have a chance at this. Right. And she calls me in. I love that you walked in. People who don't audition, and now we don't even do it in person, so it's so fucked. Which which drives me crazy. Because I'm so much better in the room. I'm going to say it now. Kill me now. Yeah, kill me now. now. Where are the live auditions? Where are the in-person auditions It's fucking ridiculous. Yes, by the way, you're not, you have no clue if this person can take direction or make right. an adjustment. You know, you're seeing their their audition, which they've done 25 times. Right. Not so knowing get, what you're even looking for. Right. So when they get the job, you give them the job, they're going to show up to work. They're going to only get two chances at it. They're not going to get 25 takes. Anyway, right. Don't get me started. But um, um, but wait, anyway. I have to go back to one thing that you said when you said it said androgynous because... That's also what I went out for because I was yes. so fucking tall and they were like, what do we fucking do? So I would always play women disguised as men or at, you can't tell and that kind of thing. So you're you're not only ballsy walking in, but you're also you're the only one dressed like that. And instead of saying to yourself, oh, fuck, you said, no. oh, yeah. And yes. that's the fucking best. Yes. And so I walked in. And I'm reading with Mary Goldberg and we do the scene, which, you know, there wasn't a whole lot to the scene because, you know, Ricky doesn't say a whole lot in that. that in the first. Yeah. Yeah. He has, she has a presence. And so I didn't know, you know, I felt like it went okay, but you know, it's my first time meeting her. Oh, please. Yeah. So I say, thank you. And I I'm walking to the door to walk out and something in me, I don't know what it was, made me turn back around I think it was just because I didn't know if I was ever going to see her again. And I just right. said, I said it to her, I said, and this always makes me want to cry, but it's I such a her, beautiful, it's such a beautiful um, story. I don't know if I'm ever going to see you again, but please tell whoever wrote this, that it would have meant so much to me when I was 15 years old. And she looks at me to kind of takes me in and she goes, don't you worry. You're going to have a chance to tell her yourself. And so she brought me back and I met Winnie Holzman the next audition. Yes. And Edswick and Marshall Herskovitz. <laughs> you know, we run Hollywood. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Um, and uh, and the rest is is history. Like it's just it to me, it, it even when I think about it now, it feels like a, an episode of somebody else's TV, like a TV right. show I watched. It just it's an it was an out-of-body experience. And I felt like it was happening through me. Right. Not to me, but it was happening through me. So you have to go back three times and then go to network, which a lot of people right. don't understand, which yes. I had to do for All American Girl. You go back, you, you get have to a call sign back. your life away. Yes. Even before you you walk have in to the door. sign your contract before the network sees you. So you can't go, oh, I got the part. Well, I want this, 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 right. and that. You got to do it all before. And your competition is literally it's right there. sitting next to you. Right. Yes. Kathy Griffin. Kathy Griffin <laughs> was my competition. But then she got um, Suddenly Susan, and that stayed on the air, even though All American Girl got canceled. But yeah. And when you go to network, first of all, when you get a callback, you don't know how many people are getting called, but now you can find out. Right. But you don't know how many in your life, you look around and you're like, oh, fuck, you know, it's you're so blindsided and yet you're supposed to you're supposed to have blinders on 
But it's so hard because you don't know what they want. Especially and, if you really want it, if it really means something to you. And right. to me, it, it was like everything. It was like life or death for me. And you go in, you go to network, you get the part and you realize now everyone <laughs> had, you know, all your friends and everyone knew you were gay, like your brother yeah. knew, you know. Yeah. And you realize, oh, fuck. I want everyone to realize that Wilson Cruz is the first gay, out gay actor to play an out gay character on television. The first. You can talk all you fucking want about Will and Grace and, you know, every other show, everyone, you know, references, you know, Modern Family. (laughs) Huh? Ellen. Ellen. Yeah. They weren't. First of all, Ellen. Yes, she came out after. But you were out and playing and out. You no. I don't think people understand the impact of that. And Um, and, you know, first of all, it's still crazy to me that that's true. And I and I found that out, by the way, when I was producing my own documentary about LGBT characters on TV. But not only was it was it that, but I was also one of two Latinos on television at the time. Right. It was me and Jimmy Smiths. We were both right. on the same network. ABC. Yeah. And yeah, it was ABC. And um, and he was this person of color as well, right? He was a and he was a teen. So it, it was like a unicorn. You know, it was like the, I don't think people really understood what this I, person was. Right. You know, um, so anyway, yes, it was, so, it was, a yeah, lot. but it, I didn't, but you're right. My, I hadn't come out to my parents yet. And you're like, I got to fucking tell them because they're going to see this character. Well, not only that, but I knew that I was going to have to speak to this. Right. right? And, I and couldn't press. just, yes, yes. I couldn't just play this part and not speak to who he is. Right. Given the moment in time in which we lived in, it was more than a job. Right. It was more than just an acting gig. It was a platform. And also the fact that you said to them, I could have seen this yeah. when I was that age. I mean, that I was aware. shows. Yes. You were so aware of how important this yeah. was. And such. At such a young age, you're so fuck. You're such an old soul. Okay, so but I also knew, you yeah. know, it was the people who made thirty something, right? Like this yes, was a real. Yes. This was a big deal. Um, it wasn't just some show that was that I thought was just going to come and go and not have an impact. So anyway, yes, I have to preface this by saying we did not get picked up that first um, season. So we made the pilot, and then. We didn't get picked up that May when they announced the ABC lineup, yeah. but they put us on hold. And so we didn't get a pickup uh, for series until October of right. 93. And so that's when I was like, okay, well now I have to tell them. Right. Um, Cause when I was making the pilot, I just told them, you know, I'm doing this great Thing and it's exciting and they knew what the part was, but right. I hadn't told them about myself. I'm sure that they started to question, right? Oh, please. Can I just say something? Hello? Yes. I want to preface this whole story with, I'm a mother. <laughs> you fucking know. You yeah. know. Don't act like you don't fucking know. To all right. the parents who who are like, hey, then you're, there's something fucking wrong with you. Okay? All right, right. go. Sorry. So um, I had made this deal with myself because they kept asking, right? And I would just keep deflecting. And so my mom was the first, I I thought, I said to myself, well, when they ask, next time they ask, I'm just gonna say it. And so my mom, uh, we're driving (laughs) in the car and she asks me um, and she loses it, right? Like she starts crying and she has to pull, I I get her to pull the car over because I honestly think she's gonna hit a tree or something. And she has this whole, performance, <laughs> as I like to call it, of, I feel like she had, she felt like she had to right. have this reaction. And then like, like a, like a storm that passes, she like wipes her tears and she's done. She was like, okay, I kind of knew. 
And, and that it's was just the, it, it's probably just the holding on to it and then releasing it. Yes. When they fucking we got home and she did yeah. go into the room and have more tears and all of all that. Right. But like she got over it really quickly. That was October-ish, November-ish. And she was like, but I'm not going to tell your dad. And I was like, I don't expect you to. Not I'll deal with it. Yeah. So, of course, you know, I, I'm we're we know that we're going into production in like it was uh, March. March of 94. So December rolls along, rolls along of 93 and um, it's Christmas Eve. And my grandmother has flown out to California from floor, from uh, Puerto Rico. And I have cousins and aunts and uncles, who, you know, cause we do Christmas Eve, right? Like Puerto Ricans do Christmas Eve and there's music going. And I invited my friend, John from school, the Palestinian uh, <laughs> to come meet me. Cause he was going to USC at the time. And he came over and my dad has had one too many um, and invites me into the bathroom, his office, as he calls it. Yeah. Um, where he does his business. Get it. And hey, um, now. hey, um, and he asks me and I agree. He asks you why you brought John instead of yes, a girl. Yes, He goes, yes. Why did you bring John and not a girl? And I was like, well, John's my friend. And then he said, and then he just comes out and asks me. Um, and I answer him and he very quietly, I remember zips up his pants and opens the door and tells me to get the fuck out. And I look at him like, wait, are you serious? And he is serious. And he chases me out of the house and throws a bunch of beer cans at me and John as I grab him as we leave. Um, and we get into my blue Chevy Sprint. And my mother is screaming and crying. Uh, you know, my what grandmother about your doesn't know. My brother, I'm sure who's, you know, I didn't know that my brother was gay at this point because right. he's eight years younger. <clears throat> but, you know, he's freaking out. Mm -hmm. And my other brother is, I don't even think of where, but my mother has enough time be before I actually drive off to give me my Christmas gift, which was a beeper, a pager. Wow. And so because she wanted to be able to keep in contact keep in with, with me. You. Yeah. So I drove John home. He was staying with his parents at the time there in Rialto. No, I drove him to USC. Sorry, I drove him to USC and I assured him that I would be fine. And I spent the, the next three months um, staying on my friend's couches, doing what in I had car. to do in my car, yeah. doing what I had to do to get through the three months. And, and, and I, have, I have to say, you know, that's very different from most young people who are thrown out of their homes, right? Like they don't know that they're about, they're going to go and be on a TV show and, right, and right. That there's a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, a lot of young people who I've met through the years and even at the time had no light at that tunnel. They just thought this was going to be their lives and some of them didn't survive it. Um, so I, I tell this story knowing that I was very, very fortunate in many ways, but I did, I survived. Uh, those three months. And did you contact your mother at all during the three? I like, did. I did. Like, I'm okay. Lied. I'm okay. I lied. Yeah, yeah. I lied to her. I told her, you know, I was staying here and there. And um, the truth was I was showering sometimes at the LA gay and lesbian center, which is not what it was called at the time. Oh yeah. It was called the gay and lesbian center. And so I just, I just made it through. I had a couple of bucks, literally. Um, I had generous friends and people who loved me and um, and West Hollywood kind of took care of me. Right. To be and people you. don't realize you had no cell phone. You know, you had no, no place to get messages or make calls or. Yeah. It was being homeless, you know, like not no connection. Thank you so much for listening to part one of Kill Me Now with my guest, Wilson Cruz. How fucking amazing is he? And handsome and beautiful. Um, there's a noise in the background that's been going all night long and I don't know what it is. And I'm just letting you know that because it's really fucking annoying and my windows are closed and you can still hear it. Welcome to New York. So just want to say, uh, this podcast was and is produced by Laura Vogel, edited by Colin Schmeling and coordinated and marketed and everything by the one and only Brittany Joe Sowards. You're ready for it. Richmond. That's right. She's from West Virginia. And she married a Jew. Um, I just want to 
reiterate, I will be at 59 E59 Theater on 59 East 59th Street, New York City, from March 4th till April 16th for my show. Yes, I can say that. And I'm really proud of it and the work we're doing. And I really want you to see it. So check out uh, ticket links in all my Tweetar and Insta and uh, TikToky and uh, what else do I go on? I go on the um, oh on the on my website. Uh, so yeah, JudyGold.com, and then I think I already just said that, and then Twitter it, and all those. It's at JudyGold J E W D Y because I'm Jewish and I'm proud to be Jewish, and I'm not going to hide that I'm Jewish, even though there, there's so many fucking dumb anti-Semites out there. Okay, so that's that. Just want to say, uh, give a shout out to Tommy Leguzamo Crawford, uh, who uh, wrote to me and said that he's looking forward to seeing my show. He's a gay. I love him. He loves my podcast and I love him. Even though I'm going to say, Thomas, you cannot spell, but that's fine. Um, but you're a, you're a love. So thank you for everything. Oh, and he loves Liquid IV. He said he loves Liquid IV, which is one of my sponsors, and they're fucking great. So there you go. Thank you to Thomas. And you know what? Thank you to all of you. I hope uh, you have a wonderful week, despite all the fucking negative shit going on. Take care of yourselves. And um, I really, I really want to thank you for listening. We April uh, will be eight years that I've been doing this podcast. Eight years of this podcast. And in the very beginning, my mother was on the podcast a few times before she passed away in June of that year. So, yeah, eight years. So that's a long time. And I have gained a lot of weight in those eight years. So. Put that in your hat and shove it. Uh, so thank you all. I really appreciate your love and support. Thank you all for listening. And as we always say, so long. Ga, 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 ga.